Okay, the big question that everyone's been asking lately is why can't Notre Dame land these five-star prospects? Greg Flamung from iSports Daily is going to join me to assess all the reasons why next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into Locked On Irish. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July weekend with friends and family and I appreciate you joining me here on this fine Thursday and making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcast. But whether you're watching or listening, you can help out a great deal by hitting that subscribe button and that way you can stay up to date on all future episodes as well. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in L.A. I've also been podcasting about the Notre Dame football team since 2020. Today, we've got Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily on the show to talk about the state of Notre Dame recruiting under Marcus Freeman, and then we break down all the different reasons why Notre Dame hasn't been able to land elite five-star talent since Freeman took over. Once Freeman was hired, there was an expectation that he would be the difference on the recruiting trail that would lead to Notre Dame bringing in the type of five-star talent needed to win national championships like Georgia and Alabama do pretty much every single year. Even though recruiting has certainly improved since Freeman took over the helm, especially when you look at the blue chip ratio, the Irish are still struggling to get commitments from the guys at the very top of the rankings, and Justin Scott is a prime example of that. There's a bunch of different factors to consider. It's not just NIL, even though we both agree that's obviously a big part of it, but we try to go through them all and figure out which ones matter more than the others. So let's get into it. Okay, Greg Flamung is back with us here. And Greg, it has not been the most fun few weeks around the Notre Dame football program lately. The latest bit of upsetting news came on Sunday when the Irish lost their top target on the board in Justin Scott, who announced his commitment to Ohio State. This generated uh, a pretty extreme reaction uh, from some members of the fan base, not just about recruiting necessarily, but that's where I want to start. So what are your, all, what are your overall impressions about where Notre Dame is at right now with recruiting under Marcus Freeman? Oh man, if you asked me this six months ago, I would have had a totally different answer. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a tough go. And I think the surprising thing is especially defensively. Um, you know, the last two classes they had they had 14 top 300 players. Um, and that doesn't include Ben Morrison in that. So it's like, you know, they're obviously identifying talent there. And they're that you got uh and these are um composite ratings too from 247. So that's what I'm referencing there. This class they only have two. And if they don't land um KVA from uh, from St. John Bosco, who's going to announce uh, late July. If they don't land him, it's hard to see where they're going to land someone else in that top 300 range. So that's really surprising. Um, and so I think a lot of people are are just kind of wondering, like, what is the what is the disconnect here? Like, what's actually going on? Because Notre Dame had really no problem landing that kind of talent um, as soon as Marcus Freeman, you know, showed up, right? Like he was able to get on Jalen Sneed. He was able to get on Julian Tulialamaka, uh, Brennan Vernon, like that, that was a big deal. Um, they, they landed him. Uh, Keon Keeley was someone that they landed. Obviously they didn't end up with him and then we'll get into that kind of situation later. But, um, so it's like the, the fact that they're not in on these top players, the fact that they're not, it, you know, making a lot of headway there, like that, that's, I think really surprising to people. Um, I think offensively, thankfully, that you know they they've done well. They've got uh, a, a bunch of top top two fifty type talents, right? With uh, Aeneas Williams, Kedron Young, Cam Williams, five star receiver, and then obviously CJ Carr is like a huge deal. Um, and then you know, hopefully they land Gerby Lambert, who's who's going to be coming up with a de- decision here soon. So um, the 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 offense has kind of picked up the slack, but I think people are really. 
concerned about what's going on defensively and what the reasons might be. Um, I think there's a lot of scapegoating going on right now, um, maybe a little too much. Uh, but also, like, there are some genuine concerns about what the deal is at the top of the food chain there. Um, not just Marcus Freeman, but Al Golden as well. I think there's some fair questions um, about what his role is and how he's working out as a recruiter. Not necessarily, not necessarily as a coach, but as a recruiter. Yeah, let's talk about that, and specifically Al Golden, because he's been a hot topic on message boards lately. Yeah. And I kind of go back and forth with it, because you're right. When Marcus Freeman came on the staff, defensive char- or defensive recruiting got supercharged. Like They instantly started bringing in big-time names. It started when he was a defensive coordinator and continued in his first season as head coach. Al Golden comes on. The results haven't been great. But the thing is, Notre Dame is taking a lot of these defensive guys very early on in the process. It's not like... They're swinging and missing on big guys, and then they're sort of scrambling late. And I feel like if they're willing to take these guys early, Marcus Freeman is in approval of them. So I don't know if it's all on Golden, and I'm sure Freeman has some say in it, but then, you know, when Justin Scott doesn't commit and they keep swinging and missing on the big guys, I see where Golden's name is brought into it. What do you make of the strategy? Like, what do you, if you tried to, you know, be on the Notre Dame side of things and rationalize it on their side, how would you defend it? I don't, I don't have a problem with who they take. And I think that's been a long, like a kind of a long um, held belief of mine. It's not so much the guys that they're taking are, are not the correct kind of prospects. It's that they just don't land the guys, the, the, the top guys that they're after. Like that's the problem to me. Like I don't, I don't mind taking um, flyers on guys or like you feel like you have a good eval going after somebody like the corners are a good example of that. Like Carson Hobbs and Leonard Moore, like those are long, those are athletic guys who can run, not highly rated, but they feel like, okay, they fit what we want to do. Let's go in and get those guys. I never have a problem really. I mean, I do sometimes, I don't want to say never, but sometimes or most of the time I'm, I'm okay with the guys that they take, but like they're after Caleb Beasley, who is now not visiting right? You're after the Justin Scotts who you don't land. You're after, um, Kingston Viamo, Viama Asa, right? It's hard for me to say, but KVA works (laughs) works fine. But they're after those guys. Like if you're not landing the top end guys, that's the problem, right? And that was a problem for Brian Kelly as well. Like they just didn't, they, they, they were very good at finding, you know, quote unquote diamonds in the rough. Right. But you also do have to land those top end talent guys and they haven't done it and, and I think that's where the disconnect is here. I mean, look, it, 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 would anyone care about some of these lower-ranked um, like lower ranked linebackers or lower-ranked safeties if, if they landed um, Justin Scott and KVA and Elijah Rushing, right? Like those are the fish that they went after, and they're not landing them. That's the problem. Right. So to me, it's not so much I don't it's not that I don't trust their evals. I mean, maybe other people do, but I don't like that's fine. Right. But it's like you do after you you are after these big guys and you're not landing them. And that's the issue. And then not just that, but it doesn't seem like you're going to have a lot of swings later on either. So it's like this is it. And like you're sitting at 21 recruits or 20, 20 commits at this point. Like you don't want that. Like you want to be a 25, 26, 27. Right. So where are those the, the seven more commits going to come from? And, and what is that quality, right? So that's kind of that's kind of what I think the I think the that's the most fair critique. Not necessarily yeah. who they taken, but 
You're not landing the big guys. Yeah, I'm with you, especially on the numbers thing. Uh, considering Notre Dame's restrictions with the transfer portal, they have to be signing 25-man classes every year because guys right. are going to leave. It will happen, and the door for guys to come in isn't as open as it is for the guys to right. leave. So you need to make up for that in recruiting. This episode of Locked On Irish is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you could spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So, sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. With it being, you know, July in the summer, I feel like it's a good time to bring in an all-time classic summer sports talk radio segment today and make a blame pie. And we're going to try to figure out why Notre Dame can't get those big five-star guys like you mentioned. And for those of you listening who aren't familiar with what a blame pie is, it's like a first-take staple. We're basically just creating a pie chart and assigning percentages based on who is to blame for whatever the problem is that we're talking about. In this case, let's talk about Notre Dame's five-star problem. And Greg, if you were to make a blame pie with all the reasons why Notre Dame has been unable to sign five stars under Marcus Freeman up to this point, how would your percentages shake out? So... Okay, this it's hard for me to know exactly how much to assign to NIL. This is I think a tough exercise because I feel like if everyone does it, everyone's probably going to have a slightly different one. I think it's at least 50% NIL for Marcus Freeman because I think so much of it was pr- prior to the NIL era, it was it was a lack of will essentially for um, for Brian Kelly. Because look, Brian Kelly was able to land five stars early in his tenure, right? He was he landed uh he landed three in one class. He landed Aaron Lynch, uh Stefan Tuitt, and Ishak Williams, right? Landed Gunnar Kill, landed Devontae Neal, like landed um Jalen Smith and Max Redfield. Uh Greg Bryant was a was a um a five-star for a time at running back in a number 45. So he was like a very high four-star. Um, but he was he could land those caliber talents, but then he I think he just decided it's not worth the the effort. Because it often doesn't work out, and they leave, and it's like, and you don't have. Then they didn't have the transfer portal, so you can't just replace him. So I think then it was a lack of will. Marcus Freeman doesn't have that lack of will, right? So if he didn't have NIL to deal with, I don't think we'd be having this problem. I honestly believe they would have, like, they would have had Keon Keeley, and they would have had Dante Moore, and I think there's a good chance they would have had um, Peyton Bowen as well, right? We don't know that for a fact, but I think they would have landed those guys, right? Without NIL, but now you do have it, and and I think it's really hindering them right now with the top end guys, right? And so, and especially hinders them, like kind of going back to Al Golden. If you're going to be a a middle of the road recruiter, let's just say that, right? Let, let's be, let's just say middle of the road recruiter, and you're not the reason that guys are picking your school. Well, then there needs to be another reason, and if you're not in the NIL game. Now you're really now you're really in a bad way, right? So I think that's where Notre Dame kind of finds itself. So I would say it's at least fifty percent of um, of of the of the pie. I'll say sixty percent. I was I'll, honestly I was like 70 percent, but I'll just say sixty percent of it. I think I think twenty percent of it is is kind of perception. 
um, in terms of I think players view I think players view the SEC and Ohio State. So it's like SEC Ohio State. Like Ohio State has able has been able to kind of carve its own kind of uh, niche outside the SEC. But I think those schools are viewed as like serious football. We're going here. We're gonna go for. We're gonna be first round picks. We're gonna play in the best games. We're you know SEC. It just means more. Like that's really good branding. You know, we make fun of it. It's really good branding because yeah. that's where the recruits want to play. And like, we make fun of it, but it's league. a real thing. Like it is recruits. They talk all the time about playing in the SEC. That matters. Right. That's what, like, look, that's why Oklahoma, that's why they wanted to go there. Texas A&M, that's why they wanted to go there because it's just that, that has that cachet. It just does. And I don't think Notre Dame has that. And, and so I think that's 20% of the problem. So I lumped all that in with, Notre Dame, like not being a football factory and not, and not being a place where it's like, I'm absolutely going here to go to the NFL, right? It's like a different caliber of place. And, and I think that kind of, you know, drops down to another 20% or actually 10% of it is just, there's, there's like, there's things unique to Notre Dame where it's, it's like you, you have to go to class. There's no online classes. It's out in South Bend. It's not, um, it's not cool. It, it, it doesn't have the, the cachet that other, other schools do in terms of just like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to have a good time. I'm just going to focus on football and that sort of thing. Like you just don't have that at Notre Dame. So there's just internal parts of the university. And you're lumping um, that all into the 20%. It's an, it's like another, it's, it's like 10%. Okay. I'm saying that's 10%. Right. So 20%. Okay. So 20%. Like not SEC, sixty percent NIL, ten percent this, and then another ten percent of just the Notre Dame administration, like not fully committing itself to we are going to win a national championship. And I honestly, I think it's it's like that's ten percent, but it's I think that's very important. Like I, I honestly, I think a lot of the time. If Notre Dame can overcome all that other stuff, there's this 10%, and I really believe this to be true, that there are there are some players who aren't totally focused on NIL, who are completely bought into Notre Dame, like the academic side of it, and they're and, and they're okay with you know the the all the other stuff, right? But I think that they look at Notre Dame like are they completely serious here? Not just the staff, not just, you know, the the quality of football and the coaches and all those other things. Is like, are they committed to being a great, great football program and winning a national championship here? Because I don't think you ever would ask, like, question that at Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State. I don't think you would ever question that. And I don't think you can question that at USC anymore either. And you could, and that's when USC was really, you know, that they were struggling, right? They couldn't land guys on the West Coast. They're all going to Oregon. And I think that's that's a big problem. Um, it's not a huge part of the problem, but I think it's an important part of the problem, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. My, I'll get to mine in a little bit. I would say my only counter to, although I definitely think the administration is hindering the football program from winning a national championship in terms of recruiting. Sometimes I wonder 
How much do these, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds know about how the fans feel? Like, would a 17-year-old ever ever in his mind, would, would it cross his mind that Notre Dame is unserious, as we might say sometimes, about winning a national championship? Because the message he's getting from Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame coaching staff is national championship all the time. And they might... It might not register to them. They might just think, oh, Notre Dame is different. They like to do things their own way, but it's not because they're uh, not serious about winning a national championship. But I, I don't know. That's sort of just a question I'm posing about, like, what is the recruit thinking compared to what the fans think? Because I do think you're right. I just don't know how much the recruits are thinking about the administration getting in the way, but maybe they are. So I would say recruits, it's not from a fan point of view. It's more of like, and this is kind of where like discussions about the goo come in. Yeah. Right. And, and, in the, in the apparel contract, you know, and, and even NIL. So here's another thing with NIL, right? If you're a player and you say to yourself like, okay, I, I, NIL isn't super important to me, but it's important to a lot of guys who I think should come here and play with us. Yeah, that's fair. So like, why aren't you, why aren't you doing that? Like, I don't need it, but why aren't you doing that? Because that's costing you a lot of players. Like, why aren't you, like, why aren't you going with, why aren't you going with Nike? You know, why, why, like the fact that the Goog is even a discussion, like that shouldn't be happening. And, 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 and a recruit wouldn't say like, oh, it's because the Goog, like, no, I, I think it's all encompassing. You know what I'm saying? Like I, it, it all counts. And so that's where I, I think a recruit would be like, man, like I like Notre Dame, but like, do they really care? Do they really need it? Like Bama needs it. Like Georgia needs it. Like all these other schools need it. If you're someone like, like, and, and I always think of, and I think KVA is one of these players. So I'm really interested to see what he does. But like Caleb Downs last year, he was interested in Notre Dame. He came a lot. He wasn't BSing around. But he ended up Alabama because Alabama is a serious place. You know, they, they take it very, very seriously. I don't know. And so I, I just think, and I don't know, you know, he has his own reasons for doing things. But I just think you got to land guys like that. Yeah. All right. I, I agree with your point there. So I'll, I'll give you my pie chart. And it's slightly different than yours. And like I was saying, okay. I think a lot of people's is it's going to be it's going to be different. So I put academic standards slash restrictions tied with NIL, each one taking 35%. You raise a good point about Brian Kelly and the will. And I think when I looked at this and I was doing it, yes, NIL is very important. It's a big reason why they're not landing some of these top guys. It's why I have it tied with the first. I guess the reason I didn't have it higher is because they weren't landing a ton of guys before. And some people might say that's Brian Kelly's effort. But like to your point, when they did land the five-star guys, a lot of them didn't work out at Notre Dame. So it's one mm -hmm. thing to land them. It's another for them to make it through Notre Dame. And that's where the academic standards and restrictions come into play. Yes, there are restrictions. There are some guys who Notre Dame is going to look at, and they're immediately going to have to cross them off because they're grades in high school. That's always going to be the case, but it's a whole nother thing once they get on campus. And we kind of forget about that because we haven't had a player, uh, knock on wood, get suspended from Notre Dame because of academic problems in a while. But that was almost like a yearly thing there for a bit, right? It happened to Alex yeah. Mack. It happened to Greg Bryan. It happened to Everett Golson. A lot of these guys who were big-time recruits who were coming in, and then they couldn't survive the rigors of Notre Dame once they were there. So I, I sort of combined that. 
Uh, I think that's a problem, and I think that Marcus Freeman, now that he's been at Notre Dame, he's able to see that a little bit more. So those are my two biggest things. I think NIL is very important. It's a big reason why they're not getting him. But I still think the biggest thing is that some guys, they look at Notre Dame, and, and like you said with the online classes thing, if you're a five-star, you're thinking, I'm going to the NFL. I don't really care about the four for 40 thing that much. I'm not saying that every five-star has that mindset, but I think a lot of them do. So I kind of loop that all into that that top section there, that academic thing, because frankly, a lot of these guys don't want to go to class that often because they already have a full-time job, probably even more than a full-time job in playing football. So what do you think about that and having NIL just a little bit lower? Well, I think, so I, I think it's a good point, um, especially in terms of the message, right? So like the, the four for 40 thing, like that's great, you know, yeah. but I can go to Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee or Miami or Texas A&M and make millions of dollars already. So like, it's hard to tell an 18 year old, like, yeah, this would be great for you down the line, you know, uh, when you're 40. Right. But what about now? Like I can make, I can make $5 million right now or 2 million or 1 million or whatever. Like it's hard to turn that down. And it's not like, it's not like you can't go to those universities and then it's not like you're not going to get a job, you know? So like, it, it's, it's hard that like that gets mitigated to some extent. Right. Especially if they don't see like the bigger, bigger picture. Um, like I don't mind it. Right. Like I, it, to me, it's like, I have, like, I have the, the university itself at 20% and you have it at 35. So it's, yeah. it, you know, like to me, it's like, they're, they're the two biggest, um, I just think, and I think, but I guess for you, for on your end, the way I see it is like you have, um, you're also factoring in the guys that they can't, like the five stars, they can't even consider yeah. because of the academic stuff. So that's, so that's a good point there. Yeah. I probably I, should have clarified. This is sort of an assumption, but I feel like a lot of the players in which NIL is the top priority to them, I would say mm-hmm. the majority would not be able to make it at Notre Dame anyway because of the academic standards and the rigor. So it sort of already eliminates a lot of the players. So then once Notre Dame is able to get guys who could make it at Notre Dame academically, I don't think NIL is their top priority. So I don't think they're losing out on as many guys because of NIL. It's still a big problem, and they definitely still do lose guys like the guys you mentioned earlier. But that's why I kind of have them working in tandem. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. that's, That's a good point. All right, so I'll give you the rest of my list. The next one, I have lack of playoff success slash competition. Basically, a lot of the five-star guys that Notre Dame is going after are the teams that are winning in the college football playoff every year. The Mm -hmm. Georgias, the Alabamas. Caleb Downs is a great example. He might have been interested in in Notre Dame, but he was more interested in Alabama in large part because of they're just like they're Alabama. You know what I mean? So they're losing out to teams – are losing out to players because they're going against the best teams in college football. And when Notre Dame has been on that stage themselves, whether it be in the college football playoff or sometimes in the regular season, they haven't had a ton of success. And I think that that plays a factor. So I've got 15% given there. And then I have location, uh, 10%. I think a lot of the players that they're going after, they aren't close to Indiana. That's why just losing Justin Scott, it sucks so much because he's one of the few guys who was sort of in their backyard. And he really wasn't even in their backyard. Like, I know Chicago is close. But, like, 
there's just not that many people in the state of Indiana. I mean, Jalen Smith was the obvious outlier, but they can't just go in their backyard and get big-time talent, and I think that plays a big factor because when they have to go to California, if they go to Texas, I, I mean, even if Notre Dame was winning a lot, that's still really tough to do to convince a high school kid to go that far away from home. So I've got location at 15, uh, excuse me, location at 10, and then to round out my final 10, I have Notre Dame-isms at 5%. All right, and this could be a lot of different stuff. The lack of a social life, the fact that when you get to campus, you aren't living with fellow football players. You're living in a random dorm in a room that might be the size of this desk, and you could be six foot four, three hundred pounds. It doesn't matter. You've got to sleep in that lofted bed, just a lofted bed, just with like no I did. air conditioning. With no air conditioning in August. All right, Kyle Hamilton showed up <laughs> for his first camp. No air conditioning. Come on, Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I I think that matters. I think, and uh, like the Goog, I don't really put that as much into it. I just think it's, on one hand, it's really cool, and it's a thing that I appreciate about Notre Dame and the fact that the athletes are so embedded with the students and the student culture, but five stars don't necessarily want that. They want to play for a football factory. So I put that at 5%. And then at 5%, this might get me in trouble. I said the Notre Dame staff but I don't mean Marcus Freeman. I think that there are a lot of assistants outside of, I think Mike Mickens is an excellent recruiter. Jared Parker's unproven. I think Al Golden as a recruiter is relatively unproven. So I'm saying this is more like the assistants. I think Al Washington lost out on Justin Scott because he wasn't as good of a defensive line coach or a recruiter as say Larry Johnson or Trey Scott at Georgia. So I think that the staff, this kind of goes into them and Notre Dame having to prove themselves a little bit more in the upcoming season but I think that there's a lot of faces on the Notre Dame staff who haven't had a ton of success over you know a decade-long period of time in the college level, and I think that plays a part into it. And that also goes back to the competition. So that's how I sort of rounded it out. I added a few more things, but in totality, what did you think of it? Well, I think the staff, like I don't think you can exempt Marcus Freeman from that because he hired that staff. True. Like and the he's Al unproven. Golden hi- yes, Al Golden, that's his hire. That's his hire. Yeah. He, you know, he had a pick, you know, defense, everyone said it, defense is his baby. And and I think that was a miss. And I think he should have known that he should have seen it. You cannot given the, the NIL thing that is that Notre Dame is doing with the no inducements and that sort of thing. You cannot have a coordinator who is basically a zero. Not adding, maybe not taking away, but not really adding. You cannot have that. And, uh, you know, that's his hire. That was a mistake. That that was a miss. And I think everyone else is, frankly, like, I I don't know what to say about Chris O'Leary. I think think Al Washington's getting kind of a a bum rap right now, given the – you know, yeah, look at, look at the competition that he was going against. Right. That's that's a a miss. And and, and especially not just that, but this is where – I think if Notre Dame had a robust NIL operation, I think it goes a different way. And so that's unfortunate for him, but you know, maybe, and maybe that's true of Chris O'Leary as well. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah. And thinking back when, when Freeman made that hire, it made sense at the time, given that given Freeman's lack of head coaching experience, he said he needed a person in the room who had it, someone that, you know, that was a sounding board, someone who's been there, done that, who's dealt, dealt with the trials and tribulations that come with being a head coach. So at the time, I think we're all like, okay, Al Golden, 
you know, hasn't really been in college. There were certainly concerns there. It wasn't ever, like everyone was like, oh, this is a home run hire. There were always some concerns, but now that Marcus Freeman has been a head coach for a year, and now we're seeing the discrepancies uh, on the recruiting trail, now all of a sudden you're like, how much is that experience worth it to you, Marcus Freeman? Like, how much is yeah. that helping you now that you're entering your second year as the head coach compared to what it would be if he was really killing it on the recruiting trail? He might not have had coaching experience, but he's getting you better players. I would think that that would be a little bit beneficial to Marcus Freeman as the head coach than having someone who's, you know, seen some stuff and can help you out with certain things. But that's just my opinion, and I think that's a lot of other people's opinion as well, especially as we look at it this season. There's a lot of pressure uh, for Notre Dame to succeed in this season, especially on defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a big one. And the other part, too, is like, you know, that like you're, to your point, go out win some games, you know? Like, you, you go out and win and – uh I think there's a there's an idea that Marcus Freeman isn't the uh, may not be the guy, and so you go out and show I can be the guy, and um, and you know you go from there. Without a doubt, I think there's a lot of pressure on this season, and uh, unfortunately, we are running out of time. But there's so much more meat left on this bone. So I appreciate you coming on as always. Um, if you're listening and you're on Twitter, be sure to follow Greg at Greg two one two six. Check out his podcast for Irish Sports Daily. Uh, Hit and hustle with another friend of the program, Jamie Uyayama. Uh, always love having you on, man. Let's do it again soon. We will have to do that. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Greg, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. We're going to have Luke Smith back on the show tomorrow for another mailbag, so please get your questions in. You can send them on Twitter to at LockedOnIrish, on the Instagram DMs at LockedOnIrishPod, or my personal Twitter account at TylerWOJCIAK. I'll see you guys tomorrow.